Welcome along to the Make Life Work podcast with me, Cy Jobling. I'm a software engineering manager, father of two, and in any spare time, I try to work on a variety of side projects, including communities and podcasts. Based on all this, I like to share my thoughts and experiences with fellow people from around tech about how we all try to find a balance for day jobs, life, and any side projects. For the seventh season of the podcast, we're continuing the project-specific format from season six. By diving into their projects, we hope to uncover some of the tips and tricks everyone uses to make them happen, so you lovely listeners can learn from our experiences to complete your own side hustles. This week, I've invited along Jamie and Line and Mr. Wookie, aka Jamie Knight and Mike Southgate, the makers behind fraud detection service, Ermi. These two have known each other for years through mutual relationships and real-world side projects, so when they put their respective expertise together from financial legislation and coding, things got interesting. Not only did they make a profitable service, they've also gone on to talk about their projects at a number of meetups. Jamie is also co-host of BBC Sounds podcast, 1800 Seconds on Autism, so naturally I was keen to hear their stories. Without further ado, let's get into it. This is Making Ermi with Jamie, Lyon and Mr. Wookie. So welcome along, Jamie Knight and Mike Southgate. Welcome to the podcast. I don't think anybody's called me Mike Southgate since I got in trouble with my mother. Um, so <laughs> I'm I'm Wookie and uh, this is Jamie and Lion. Yeah, Jamie and Lion, most people know me as because um, I've got a big four foot line who goes over with me. Um, and um, yeah, so hello, howdy, how are you today? All good, my end, thanks. And thanks for joining me. It's um, going to be a really interesting conversation, I can gather. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see <laughs> we'll, how we go. We'll find out. Yeah. Try not to swear. Um, don't say anything that will make our mothers upset. Um, yep. any other rules? Yeah. Don't say anything we'll regret saying in court. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it, keep it so that it's not, uh, incriminating. Yeah. Exactly. This it all goes on record of sort. <laughs> I didn't kill him. <clears throat> Sorry. Not incriminating, not incriminating. <laughs> well yeah it's, the, the banter here is already strong so it's going to make this conversation a lot more easier i brought you along to talk about one of your projects you've been working through but before we get into all that could you maybe introduce yourselves what you do in your day jobs um jamie do you want to go first yeah sure so i'm jamie and lion um i've been at the bbc about 10 years um various nerdy things um and these days i'm a senior research engineer on the digital accessibility team um and i look after lots of nerdy accessibility things so just finished a two-year project looking at vr accessibility built an environment worked with 107 participants collected 1700 barriers and then started putting together a set of guidelines and barrier lists and that sort of stuff um so yeah that's what i do basically i'm a nerd you're a, you're a full-time permanent nerd well, for the BBC. Well, these days I don't write as much code as I used to, so I'm I'm a recovering developer. I only right. develop recreationally at the weekend, which is what we're here to talk about—the thing that I develop recreationally. But yeah, you know, I, I'm 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 doing well in my recovery. I've only opened GitHub twice this week. That's not too bad. It's better than me. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> you're among friends. You're among friends. And Mike, do you want to tell us about what you do for the day job? Yeah, so I um, I work for an investment firm and I'm their their operations officer. Um, but my background is is heavily in money laundering, fraud, financial crime, um, preventing, preventing, as Jamie keeps reminding me. Um, but you know, outside of that, I, I build cars um, and and technology. I I haven't opened GitHub at all this week. Um, 
yeah, it's, 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 it's getting there. Um, but I'm about the level I can make an LED blink on an Arduino. So tech-wise, I'm very much not not as nerdy as you two. He's quite good with a spanner and a supercharger, though. Mm. Although he does forget to do the wheels up. Once. Put... You nearly kill your friend once, and you never hear the end of it. <laughs> What's that knocking noise? Is it the the wheel, it's the wheel coming off. There yeah, we go. it's right. the wheel coming off. Because the supercharger you fitted was gorgeous, very well tuned. Just forgot the wheels. Yeah, wow. small detail. <laughs> And you mentioned I've only killed you once or tried to kill you once. Oh, no, he's tried to kill me many times. I've only almost dropped dead <laughs> on you twice. Yeah, you know? you've nearly dropped dead on me twice. We've nearly, I've nearly killed you many times. It turns out, by the way, if you swap Jamie's, if you cross Jamie's legs, he doesn't know the difference between left and right. And if he's giving you directions when you're driving a sports car, he will plough you through a hedge. Yeah, up the left. That looks like someone's drive. Yep, Let's so. find out at 50 miles an hour. Um, yeah. It was someone's drive. It was someone's drive. Yeah, and we yeah. had to return that rental thing. And that, 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 man, that rental car was not happy. No, it had more holes in it than it started with. Anyway. <laughs> no, this is all character building. <laughs> yeah, character building is exactly what it is. Because um, once you've almost been in a car crash with someone many times, and you've driven and ridden in their half-built kit car many times, and Wookiee's kit cars are perennially half-built, even when he says they're finished, or should I say, our kit car? The, 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 the kit one. car, yeah. It's the it's it's the mistake that led to us having a company together. Um, oh well, that's just almost like a planned segue. Oh, always very good. I wish I was that good. I wish we were that good. Yeah. So, based on that sort of background, actually lends well to your problem that you identified together, right? Yeah, Wookie is a problem, but you know, we're trying to help. Oh, sorry, different problem. Different the problems. Oh. We're not doing character attack. <laughs> Um, it, it was an interesting one, actually. So I, I used to work, as I said, in, in I still work in financial services. I haven't given up that yet. Um, but we we had audited a company, um, and uh, every financial institution, bank, etc., is supposed to have some sort of monitoring and tracking um, of the transactions that go through to try and see whether you're laundering money um, or doing anything criminal. So for anyone who's seen Breaking Bad, you know you get criminal money and you then try and get it into the financial system so that you can clean it and hide the original source of those funds. Um, the, the process they use and they refer to is placement layering the integration. So you place the funds into a financial institution, wash it around a bit so nobody knows where it's come from, and then you can spend it without the police catching you and knowing mm. you know, where that it came from a crime. And I was, I was auditing a firm and they didn't have any monitoring or controls and they needed something built rapidly and um, back to our cars, Jamie was trapped underneath a car with a spanner in his hand and I was bemoaning the lack of these tools or the poor quality of these tools or the expense of them or I was just moaning, to be honest. And I, I had, as he was describing the problem, I had that most dangerous of developer thoughts. Hmm, that doesn't sound so hard. Always a mistake, always a mistake. So, always. you know, I loosely volunteered to maybe knock something up. Maybe there was something I could do temporarily to solve the problem a little bit just to help. And then got back to doing up bolts on the kit car. By which he means he then promptly set about ruining Christmas 2017 because he spent most of it coding. Mm -hmm. um, although, to be fair, Christmas was never your greatest. Is that the year that your family were over? <laughs> yeah, my family were over and Jamie might have been avoiding them. How terrible. I had to sit upstairs and work on this very important <laughs> software project. So, yeah, we, we sat down. We, we had a, The way that we work is quite interesting in the kind of technical sense that we use BDD, behavior-driven development. So we gherkined up the problem and I set about building like, the first iteration of, of Ermi, which is the tool that we develop um, and the name of the company. 
And also, it's short for Ermintrude, which is the name of the car we were building. Um, we're not good at branding, are we? We're not good at branding. We just took the name of a thing we already had and Maybe. repurposed it. We changed one letter on the end to pretend it was a different thing. But that works. Occasionally, <laughs> Wookiee sits in meetings and they say, ooh, we're going to adopt ERMI. And Wookiee's like, ooh, what's that? That sounds good. Oh, wait, that's us. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. So, yeah, so the, it's called Ermi, which is short for Ermintrude, because the car that the, the car that we were building was a sports car, but previously it was a Land Rover that lived in the field with some cows, and you can't remove the cow from a car, so you just name the car after a cow. That's the official process for a Land Rover. So Ermintrude, it was. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's quite a comp- the way that we describe it is it's a piece of software with a million details that eats and poops spreadsheets. So we pull a or create a big R spreadsheet from the bank with all the transaction information. Um, we have a cloud-based node piece of software that streams through the file. Does all the buzzwords there? Well done. Yeah, all like, the buzzwords. Oh. A cloud-based uh, <laughs> node-based piece of software that str- that uses a stream. Um, yeah, so it streams through the file, does a bunch of calculations, does a bunch of logic and rules that, that Wookiee wrote, uh, and then poops an Excel spreadsheet and puts it somewhere for the client. So it might be Google Drive, might be Office 365, or S3, or wherever else it goes, and then it shoots itself in the head, because you don't want to be running software all the time. Like, if you're getting into a software company, don't run something that runs 24-7, because it needs looking after. Build something that does a job and then shoots itself. Or containerization, as other people call it. <laughs> That's the official phrase. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that is when you look at the competitors to the, the tool and the software, um, the problems they had is that they're incredibly, you know, we've got an API. Great. Well, I now need a developer who can connect to your API and who can understand that. And a lot of the, the smaller firms, um, particularly in the payment space, are not like that. They're like two or three guys operating in a back office. And even when we say to them, we need this very well specifically formatted spreadsheet it confuses them because they don't have the ability to do that they certainly can't integrate with with some tool in the cloud with an api so we then go and do stuff like create a google sheets endpoint so they can put the data into a google sheets that does a little bit of validation a little bit of tidying up which then gets swallowed by the script and turned into the actual format that we need we also integrated with a couple of back-end providers that a few different clients used so we could build one integration and pull it out that about the back-end providers api crush it into the CSV file that we need, and then run it on the tool and poop it into something else. And I think our instructions and our documentation does refer to the word poop as what it does You've when it finishes. You've said poop a lot. Poop. It just makes me laugh because it eats and poops spreadsheets. By the way, if you introduce this as a concept to a compliance officer in a sort of multi-million pound bank, they are unsurprisingly slightly phased by the use of the word poop repeatedly during a meeting, but they do get the concept very quickly. It's it's very easy. It, it, there's a file, it eats it, it outputs something else, and that something else is a nicely formatted Excel spreadsheet that says, all of your dodgy stuff is here. Go look at this. You know, This payment to Iraq looks pretty dodgy um, and stuff like that. And we have rules covering money laundering, people trafficking, risk regions um we have a rule that understands where care homes are and if you make payments to and from care homes in different oddly looking patterns it will go hmm is this somebody is this a carer saying to someone with dementia hey you owe me 20 pounds for your shopping last week you know every day for a week so we spot topologies of crime is what i think you call them i'm slowly, yeah, learning, slowly learning i'm slowly learning the nerdy bits um but yeah we started looking at ways that we could get some uh you know, some data into the system, some actual intelligence. Now, a lot of our competitors work with artificial intelligence. We've we've coined the phrase actual intelligence. 
So we take things, we take things like there's a piece of data called the indices of deprivation, and it's a, a spreadsheet of all of the incomes in the UK. Now, if you have somebody that lives in an area that technically on average only earns £25,000 a year, and they're putting £150,000 through your firm, you probably want to go and have a quick look at that and, and work out what's going on there. Um, so yeah, we've taken some external databases that are again, also lovely spreadsheets that the system can eat. Well, some of them aren't that lovely. Some of them are so pretty the one that you're referring to there doesn't give you nice round postcodes. It gives you regional, um, gosh, what is it? Local authority indexes, yeah, yeah. which you then have to convert into postcodes using a headache and a large cup of coffee. Um, and that's how I've learned SQL. Yeah. So please stay away from my database. Um, <laughs> And then we also have things like the Care Quality Commission data set. And we also need to do things like currency conversion. So um, making sure that we can move, diff understand different values between different currencies, calculate totals, that sort of thing. Um, the actual core of ERMI uh, is about 3,000 lines of code. The testing, mm -hmm. on the other hand, is about 20,000 lines of code. Um, and we have BDD tests for Gherkin. So when Wookiee launched a new rule, he writes something like, given a transaction and the payer is in Iraq and the beneficiary is in Afghanistan, then the transaction should be flagged. Uh, sorry, when analysis is performed, then the transaction should be flagged. And then, our, so that's Gherkin, it's given when then. You're describing the scenario, the action and the consequence. Um, and then the test system takes that written piece of text and produces a test file that should fail then we run it against ERMI and of course it doesn't fail because we haven't implemented that rule in ERMI so then I go into ERMI implement the rule and the test passes and then we you know deploy ship release and essentially we argue a lot about Gherkin and about the specific wording of those rules and what things mean and you know things like one of the regulators wanted to define something as a month and I was there going, when you say a month, do you mean 31 days, a calendar month? A calendar month in which time zone? Things like that. So I pin Wookiee down on those details, um, often over a Burger King. Not a Burger King, sorry. A oh, gourmet uh, Burger Kitchen. Sorry, life's, sorry. Gone, life's gone badly sorry. wrong if we're... <laughs> Almost offended you there. My, my mistake. Um, so yeah, we sit down in gourmet Burger Kitchen and we hash out the... Um, the gherkin and then the the test system produces the file and then we use tdd to implement it against the the rule system which sits inside the engine so it's very modular very very small and sat on about a billion tiny details um, break any one of them and the whole lot blows up in your face hence it's got so many tests and bdd because otherwise my brain would melt I mean, you've explained quite a lot in a lot of detail there, actually. And someone who's worked in fintech before, I know how complicated this can mm. be. But it sounds yeah. like you've really worked your skills together really well. Yeah. I mean, Jamie's overlaid quite, um, sort of kindly skipped over quite a lot of arguing there. A lot of arguing. A lot of arguing and there. a little bit of aggressive go-karting. Yeah. So we actually was, was really uh, interesting is when I first started off is my conceptions of how these tools would work and what everybody else was doing. And oh, you've got to have a website and a lovely interface and, and all this kind of stuff. And Jamie uh, objected vehemently to the idea of a user interface because, again, you've got to keep that up. You've got to maintain it. It's secure, got to be secure. Two-factor authentication. I'm, I'm getting chills just thinking about all the things. And there's quite a lot of work involved in that. And you're committing to your, your clients to keep that up and to keep that running. And... Um, trying desperately to drag this back on to how mm -hmm. to make your work-life balance. And then, the... and then Wookie came up with this little phrase where he says, oh, the most important thing on the interface is the export button. And I was like, well, 
we'll build the export button that exports a really good spreadsheet. You lie, we still don't have an export button. We haven't got a button to do anything. Because we don't have an interface, because I've I've still managed to avoid building one. But we went go-karting once, um, and we may have had uh, strong words about how much code and how much effort was involved in building a scalable, secure, accessible user interface, uh, and then promptly, you know, punted each other around a go-kart track for a bit. Although the person who punted me off just before I won um, apparently wasn't paid by Wookiee to do so. I'd believe that. Yeah, I didn't slip him a fiver. At all. I totally believe you. <laughs> no, I don't think you did. But yeah, so, you know, we, one of the things that has made this work is that we have pretty good conflict resolution because ultimately we operate on consensus. And that can be tricky because it can mean that Wookiee can ask for something that feels incredibly straightforward, like IBANs. Um, and I'll be there going, hmm, IBANs, not quite as simple as they sound. I know, th- I know the spec says it's this plus this plus this. But the Google library to do it is 3,000 lines long, and there's an entire service that do this. I think there's some hidden details, and it turns out there's all sorts of hidden details. So then we'll go, okay, well, if it's not iBands that we're going to use, what can we use that's simpler? So then we'll find another way to meet the need or to solve the problem without taking on a huge amount of technical debt or complexity. And I've learned, if nothing else, that going to a developer with a solution rather than explaining to the problem with them hurts, because Jamie will hear you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, just, <laughs> I, I, you know, that's a lovely solution, but what are the pro- what's the problem you're trying to solve? And then once we understand that, and sometimes it can take us a bit of time just to... One of the reasons why we like Gherkin, which is this language for describing behavior-driven development, is Gherkin has relatively few words in it. The only words it has are the words that our test system has implemented. So it forces us to describe the problem in a really clear, concise way and then get consensus between both of us that we have covered covered what we need it to understand um, and then it also acts as the test so if the ermi code base got deleted tomorrow i'd be quite upset but if i had the gherkin then i can re-implement the tool and be reasonably confident that i've covered the functionality yeah we, are, I mean, we can talk about the, the advantages of bdd tdd and all that sort of stuff but mm-hmm. it sounds like you've used your skills from 10 years of engineering at beeb um, and applied it to your own little baby now yeah, pretty much. Um, it's one way to stop me from murdering Wookie and Wookie from murdering me. We haven't murdered each other so far. <laughs> yeah, we haven't murdered each other so far. <laughs> and you mentioned a few services and libraries that you've kind of integrated, like with data sources, etc. Is mm-hmm. this like a, an open source piece of work or is it completely in-house no, sort of thing? Um, most of it is the node fetch library pointing at a URL or right. a CSV file bundled into our, into our software. So when Ermi runs, she runs entirely isolated. So the container that she runs in can't see the internet. Everything is injected in. Um, right. And that's for a whole bunch of reasons, including security, but one of them being laziness in that I know how to configure the Amazon firewall for no internet access, no, bad. So it's simpler to set it up that way than take on needing to learn all of the knobs and dials that Amazon offer us. So we just have a connection to S3 and we pull everything off of that as we run or anything like data sources that are things like the uh, Care Quality Commission data set. We've also got the entire company's house database nestled in there as well um, for checking that a company is actually active and exists. Um, so if you give us a company number, we check that, you know, that company exists and it's active, not closed down. Dissolved, or or dissolved yeah. that's the word. So we bundle all of that into our into, into Ermi herself. So when she runs inside the interface, she's not going out to the internet. 
um, and then everything runs concurrently. Um, and we have a multi-threaded and concurrent node application where she has multiple things that happen. So for example, the pass that analyzes the account information to get the IBAN information and the pass that goes and builds the payer profiles happen in parallel. And then when they're finished, it starts the next phase. But then within each thing, each rule is run asynchronously and concurrently. So all of the keywords for node development. And it basically adds up to, <laughs> it's really bloody quick. <laughs> the um, An interesting thing, though, you mentioned there about it being open source. One of the, the things we actually find from our clients is that we're considered too cheap. So we, right. we operate this service at one-tenth the cost of any of the other competitors. The advantage, of course, being is we attract smaller firms who don't have access to any of these tools elsewhere. Um, but feedback we get from larger clients is the, the board, uh, the, you know, the compliance team that are making a decision here are uncomfortable with the fact that you're one-tenth the cost of everybody else. You're suspiciously cheap. Um, and I think it, it's a confusing thing in the, in the banking world, but people are suspicious of free things. So we would struggle. We would struggle to get anybody using it, even if it was free. Yeah, so. it, one of the things that's kind of an active decision that we've made is that both of us have careers that we enjoy, and we don't necessarily want to step away from our day jobs for what is currently a, a side project, a good side project, but a side project. Ermi's strength is that she is a lightweight tool, and if we keep adding too many things, she'll no longer be a lightweight, maintainable tool. Um, so a little bit of just recent history for me in, uh, Mike mentioned that I keep trying to drop dead on him. And I did that in February. I had a severe infection that's left me with a spinal cord injury that affects oh, wow. my ability to walk and feel things and not fall over and all sorts of fun stuff. Well, I suppose walking and not falling over. See, to me, they're different things. They to everybody else, they're the same, aren't mm. they? So, you know, I'm a newly christened wheelchair user and that's of course had a huge ramification on my life. But when we designed Ermi, we knew that I was autistic. And really? Yeah, yeah. You're autistic? Yeah, yeah. It's the t shirt and everything. Wow. Um, and we knew that at some point I was going to get hit by a car or something. We didn't think it would be an infection, but we always built Ermi with this idea that it needs to be automated. It needs to be, it needs to run on her own without, without being helped. It's why we invested so much in testing. So when I had my injury, Ermi didn't get touched for three and a half months, and it just continued day in, day out, delivering results to clients without a blip. Um, and that's part of how it's maintained to be a side project. Even though we're doing a thing that is, well, Wookie won't actually tell me a lot of the details. So if he has to put you a suit want, on, then... you don't want to know most of the details. No. When the tool find, when the tool finds something really, really interesting, the kind of thing that we give the data back to the client, and the client then calls me up and goes. You know, Mike, what do I do with this? Yeah, we never tell Jamie that. No. Because so, it's it's harrowing. Yeah, if, if Mike puts a suit on and goes off to court, I don't ask why. It's just safer that way. <laughs> so for us, it's a side project where I can exercise development skills and have fun with it and work with somebody that I really love working with um, and oh, take experiments. You're, you're all right. Thank you. Thank you. Passable <laughs> and acceptable is the, is the line that I'm aiming for. Um, no longer acceptable. Because oh, um, my legs fell off. Um, they didn't. They're still attached. Too, too they're just, real. They're just too, real. too close. Too, too close. close. Terrible birthday, you say. Terrible um, birthday. Yeah. By the way, if you've got a good friend, don't almost die of sepsis on their birthday. It sort of ruins it. Um, so anyway. Or tests so, it. Yeah, yeah. tests it. So understanding that there's this autism stuff going on and that 
I might need to step away from the project at any moment meant that we had to engineer that in from the start. It turns out if you want to sell a company, engineering it in from the start that you can step away at any point without any major consequences is quite a good way to build it. So we've kind of done that by accident as well. Yeah, that was a useful handout. Effectively de-risks that part as well, doesn't it? It is, but also if you look at like a lot of small businesses, um, it's quite hard for you to take on other employees and to work with other people. You lose a lot of, um, you know, you, you have 100% capacity and then you bring on a new person and you think you're going to have 200% capacity and you don't. You have 150% because mm. you have to manage the other people. And 75% that whilst they're first there, whilst everybody trains them. Maybe 100% after a couple of months, 150% after a year, assuming they don't leave. But then the problem that you've got is if you go away on holiday for any period of time, the, the business is, is effectively not doing anything while you're away. So it's then you know very hard for you to continue having an income uh, or, or do anything. So, you know, you, you have to build redundancy in and make sure that you're not 100% dedicated to this and the business will fail if you step away for 30 seconds. It's often we're not trying to find the smartest solution or the simplest solution. It's the sustainable. It's, it's the sustainable solution or the... Sure. The solution with the least number of moving parts that we can't control. So I am one of those node developers who goes and checks the hashes on all of the dependencies that we pull up. And I go and check that nobody is sneaking any backdoors into the things that we do. Because once we pick up a dependency, I that's going to stay in our code base a while. You know, We, we don't pick them up willy-nilly because we know that they tend to sit in the code base a long time and they are, they're, they're kind of fundamental to the software. So... Building with that sustainability in mind, we we don't really build anything that is temporary. We, everything we build, we kind of build to production quality. But what mm. we might do is we might solve a simpler problem than the problem that we wish we were solving. So a good example being we were looking to do um, a bunch of location-based things. We looked at location APIs to take addresses and convert them to latitude and longitude and all that sort of stuff. It was great, but it was expensive. It was calls outside of the container. It was pricey um, just in terms of computation and, and speed. So we work on postcodes because actually for most of our rules, a postcode is plenty of precision to solve the problem that we have. And we literally have a note somewhere in our, in our code for that that says to do explore Google, you know, explore Google that long. And we've just not needed to go back to it. So... It's also an interesting thing that none of our clients have ever said we'd really like more granularity and more precision to this. So a real part of it is understanding what the clients actually need. And often people will deliver a solution that's not actually what the client needs. Clients who want real-time things for when they only have someone in the office nine to five. Or worse, they want real-time things, but they only have someone in the office for three hours every Monday morning. Yeah. So... Yeah. We, yeah. We, well, interestingly, we have we do have some clients at the moment who are supposed to upload files every day and they skip the weekends. I don't think they've realised that weekends are days as well. Wait, mm. what? Yeah, there's this... There's, there's a 6... Saturday, Saturday, the clue's in the name. Oh, gosh. Did you hear that they've got a 6am in the morning now? Really? They've got sixes at both ends of the day. I recently found it when I got up one night. That was a mistake. Oh, no. Um, I just want to go loop back on a few things here, actually. So it sounds like you've got shared responsibilities in the project you know obviously james is more the techie mike's the, the businessman is that the clear division of labor or is there a bit of an overlap in how you do these things 
No, there's, there's quite a clear division in labor. Um, if it mm. involves ones and zeros and making computers behave, it's, it's basically what I do. If it involves accounts, lying and pretending you understand how ones and zeros work, that's my job. Yeah, and but you also do all the accounting and the client stuff. Well, you know, you, you sometimes say how bad it is. You have to go and drink with clients at the expensive place um, and then send me photos of the dinner you're having. So, you know. That is that is the hardest part of the job. But I'm so glad you're doing that because I have no interest in that whatsoever. Thank you very much. As a as an FYI, we we did a conference in Atlanta um, a couple of years ago, and it was the most eventful conference because on the way to the conference, uh, we saw a guy get run over. Um, Turned out to be a brain surgeon. Yeah, it was a brain, we saw a brain surgeon get knocked off his bike. Um, so we 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 patched him up, wait for the ambulance, went to the conference. But then after Jamie had finished chatting to a few people, Jamie doesn't drink. And so Jamie would just be sending me a string of people going, yeah, apparently I owe that guy a beer, but he doesn't drink, so here's a beer. And um, I nearly didn't make it to the second day of the conference. Yeah, I was, there was a lot of beer waiting for you. I was passed um, out on a sofa. It was, and then I went, and then I because I'm you know, autistic, I'm not particularly independent, so I went with the organiser of the conference to go and get Wookiee the biggest coffee that I could find. The, legally, the, the largest coffee you could buy legally in Atlanta, which was like six shots of espresso. Yeah, and the, the lady in Starbucks had to go and look up the rules because I was like, no, no, wow. not just the biggest you sell, but the biggest you can make. Like, I need enough coffee to restart a dead planet. And um, I think you had three or four mouthfuls of it and your eyes popped out. Yeah, I, I, I perked much. up fairly well. So we work well as a team. You know, even when Wookie was doing the first aid stuff and scraping someone up off the road, I was taking photos of where the bike was, where the car was, you know, counting the number of paces and stuff like that. So should somebody ask, someone's documented it. Which actually it's worked wonderful. out really well because the, uh, the driver of the car denied all responsibility and your, your photos ended up in court. Don't tell me what things. Oh I do right, sorry, that. sorry. Yeah. You're telling me the details oh, again. Please sorry. don't. It's just a thing I do for fun at the weekend. I promise. If you need help with your side project, either for inspiration, support, or just general feedback, remember to join our On the Side community on Slack. There are a number of previous guests from the podcast in there, including Sam Hardacre, Mike Street, Dom Hodgson, and Mark Lismore. Pop on over to OnTheSide.network which will take you straight through to registration and I'll see you in there. But the way you work together, it sounds like you've really got a natural bond and you know how to make each other's strengths and weaknesses together. I think over the years, because obviously, you know, I work in in fintech as well now, but whilst I'm, uh, it's a swear word, I'm the product guy. Mm, um, Okay, we forgive (laughs) <laughs> I'm a recovering product guy. You know, I started to learn a little bit more about how the how the tech works and the the complications of things. And we we sit down and we discuss things. Um, Jamie introduced me to planning poker and sitting down yeah. and looking at how long things are going to take and um, why they're going to take that long. And we do have the occasional debate where I go, I think it's a three, and Jamie goes, it's a twenty one. This is quite yeah. complicated. Yeah, this is a lot more complicated than it sounds. But the difference is we're willing to chat to each other and it's not a combative process because we both own the outcome, yeah, you know. So sure. it's, it's not worth just arguing over and getting nowhere. No, and there's also this thing where quite often if, if, if you know, that thing when we were talking about months, when I was like, hmm, how many days is that? And you were like, I don't know. I'll go speak to the regulator. And that conversation went back and forth quite a bit. And we were both learning about, you know, when does it matter if, if you're calculating to a hundred dollar limit and the number of days in the months is really important if you've got a hundred million dollar limit 
probably less granularity is fine. Yeah, so it's understanding when the tool has to be precise. So, for example, for transaction logging, we're precise to the millisecond. Mm. But for totals and things like that, we allow a little bit of wiggle room based on the currency conversion because the currency conversion is never going to be absolutely perfect. But when the the total is $20,000 or $30,000, it doesn't have to be. So that understanding of what's the problem that we're trying to solve and do we need to be accurate, do we need to be quick, or do we need to be um, cheap, you know, cheap, fast, or good? Pick two. Pick two. And we both understand that. So Wookie is not one of those product people who wants cheap, fast, and good. He will understand that we can only get two of them. Although occasionally I'll then get a, ooh, I found a thing, and then I can give you cheap, fast, and good because I used a library that someone else made. So Recycling. It's very useful. Yep. You're ticking all the boxes by the sound of it. It's a lot of fun. You know, they say never work with your family or with your friends, and that is generally good advice. Um, but with Ermi, I think one of the ways that we have kept it fun is that we have focused on the fact that our relationship and the enjoyment we get out of this is more important than necessarily the business shape. Um, We're not looking to grow it into a multi-billion pound organization. We'll sell it to someone who can do that. Um, But we are looking to have fun and learn, learn things and have, enjoy it. And I think that's a large part, which is one of the questions we often ask or, or we'll say is like, was this a grind? Did we grind through this? And if we are grinding through things too often, we'll rethink you know, our time commitment or whether it makes sense for me to go and automate something for Wookie because it's getting really annoying. So a great mm. example being clients give us test data, which we need to validate. And that was getting quite tricky because I wouldn't be able to validate it for 24 hours because I was doing a thing or, or whatever. So we ended up setting, setting up a system so Mike could validate client data directly. Not because it delivered, it wasn't a validation service for the client or an endpoint or an API. It was just a little utility, um, the same as a, an admin console. So Mike could rerun jobs without needing any nerdy input. It's another little utility that we built that wasn't part of the tool, but it made the business more sustainable. And you mentioned a few times there, actually, the fact that you made it fun. You know, this yeah. is a side project. It's not business that you're trying to, you know, sell, as you say, but you bringing it back to stuff that you enjoy some you get to learn from mm-hmm. um and you get to enjoy that time together as well yeah. which i think is a critical part of any collaborative um, side project i get to do the amazing thing where you know i run downstairs and I, you know it's christmas or whatever because i've now like managed to avoid three christmases with this tool it's brilliant <laughs> if anybody asks one of our clients definitely definitely needs my development time at christmas um it's not that i'm avoiding anybody i promise um to dimension autistic um <laughs> You know, I might run downstairs and go, it's it's now, you know, 28% faster. You know, the tests now run in six minutes. And Wookie will go, yeah, cool, well done. I mean, and- it's a mate because sh- what he's done is he's taken an Amazon bill, which is all of about $15 a month for all of this, and he's shaved a dollar off of it. And I'm like, I'm not quite sure from a business perspective you've spent your time in the best way, but you had fun. So I had fun. And then what happens is because I accelerated some part of the process, it means that we can now have more tests or we can now run tests in parallel or we can run more combinations of tests to reduce risk. And the next time we've got to add a rule that has 40 different scenarios, I can go, I know how to run those in parallel. Please can I have another laptop with two more cores? 
Um, so that's, that's another example of kind of efficiency, which is we don't have a CI and CD pipeline. It's a script called ci.sh that lives on my laptop that builds the package and does all the Docker stuff. Yes, we could stand it up on a complicated service and deploy to it and push to it. But actually, the, the most effective way for me to get a fast computer is to pay for a fast laptop to put on my, put on my desk. By the time we're mm. getting a server that's as fast as a laptop we can put on my desk for a, for a couple of thousand pounds, we're paying so much more. And then we have to wait for it to spool up before I can do a build. And if the build fails, I have to wait for it to download this thing or that thing. But if it's all local on my machine, I can go sit in the nice cafe at the end of the road, fix a bug and deploy it all from my laptop using their Wi-Fi and a bit of a VPN, which for, in terms of like developer joy, developer productivity and reducing time spent maintaining moving parts is tremendously useful sounds it i think we've talked a lot about ermi now let's talk a little bit of something else a little side tangent you mentioned a few times about your autism yeah. uh, my son's got autism but um you've used this to your advantage haven't you jamie can you tell us a bit yeah. about the podcast you create for bbc sounds um gosh autism in a nutshell how long have i got right <sighs> i'm gonna Doesn't say happen. i'm gonna limit myself to three minutes and watch the clock <laughs> i'll time you so the way that we think about autism is to ignore all the medical model for a minute and just say that I need different things from the environment. And the definition of disability is a mismatch between a person and their environment. I can't change me, but I can change the environment. So that might mean obvious things like keeping the light levels down and keeping things quiet. But it can also mean more sophisticated things like expectations that I place on myself to do things in a neurotypical way so neurotypical non-autistic versus neurodivergent autistic and friends let's put it so let's say autism and friends come up as neurodivergent so i've been engineering my life for well the, the last the time before last where i almost dropped dead on wiki which was when i had gallstones since that time i had you know 17 and a half months without speech which has happened off to me often when, it, when my environment becomes overwhelming and i can't build enough energy every day the first thing that i lose is my speech and my ability to communicate it's blissful you get silence thank you and you know <laughs> to give you an example of how nice wookie is he learned sign language so he could communicate with me right only fingerspell which was plenty but i don't know i learned a couple of swear words as well yes obviously yes. oh you know where, yeah. where you start right focus on the positives um and when i am in the environment that suits what my body needs i can use my energy on my work and my side projects um and on things where i have strong strengths because one of the most kind of hallmark things about being autistic is autistic people tend to have really strong strengths and really strong weaknesses if you if you if you draw us on a chart it looks like a spiky hedgehog Yep. Rather than spending my time trying to minimize the areas where I have a weakness, I instead focus my time on maximizing my strengths. And then where I have a weakness, I ask for help. So for example, one of the things that Wiki helped me with years ago is sorting out formal social care so that somebody helps me with meals in the evening. Because otherwise, I get nothing done. I burn myself. I, it's right at the end of the day when I have no energy. So I end up not eating. And then I end up getting ill because I'm not eating enough. You know, not because I can't cook, but because the cost to do so is 90% of that day's energy. So once we started looking at the world through this lens, it's known as social model of disability of environment plus impairment equals disability. The thing I can change is the environment. So we started changing the environment and then I started to thrive. So that's kind of just under three minutes, how we Very approach good. autistic life in a nutshell. 
and um, I've been at the BBC 10 years and uh, Emma Tracy and Damon, who produced the Ouch podcast, uh, contacted me and a, another autistic lady um, called uh, Robin Stewart, who's, who's amazing, uh, musician, um, about taking over one episode of Ouch whilst the hosts, hosts were away to talk about autistic life. That went quite well, so it got commissioned into a series and we're now three series in and they're about to commission another one, hopefully. And we just talk about autistic life, interview autistic people, and pick up different topics that are relevant. So for COVID, we did a rather than for COVID, we did one a month throughout COVID with a Q&A and all sorts of stuff to try and kind of support the community and learn from the community. So you, you really use your sort of own experiences and network to create like this platform for anyone with autism yeah. to kind of join you and uh, share theirs is it I guess yeah and it's a lot of it is about lenses about building a coherent sense of identity so I would refer to myself as autistic not with autism because it's not separatable from me the same way that I'm Mm. male for example so understanding that sense of saying what is part of me what is not part of me and then internalizing the fact that the thing that disables me is not my body but it's the environment and the environment is a lot more mutable than people think it is. So I've been carrying a four foot long plushy lime with me everywhere for 15 years, 17 years. When I was a kid, everyone said that would mean I'd have no friends and no job. But actually, lime is super memorable. Half the work I've ever got is because the autistic guy with the giant lion. Yeah, him. You know, um, I know you know Christian Hellman. Um, yep. From, from Yahoo, um, I turned up at uh, an event many, many years ago and I, I got to know Christian a little bit when he was working at Yahoo and somebody from the BBC. And um, yeah, it was lying because I could walk up to him and go, oh, it's okay, the lion's been fed. By the way, I'm Jamie. <laughs> you know, so by leaning into what makes me autistic and then building software with almost the autistic needs baked in, we've ended up building this, this neat little fun side project, which goes on to help people although please don't tell me the details don't tell you the details but yeah again you've used your autism super talent to focus on these problems and solve them by the sound mm-hmm. of it as well to be to be fair i mean even in in software developing world in generally nobody wants to be the one sitting in their old bedroom at their mum's house fixing some problem on on christmas day because they decided to release something on christmas eve and it's only when you approach the problem with the right lens and mm. approach it in a way that reduces your commitments and make sure you don't box yourself into a corner that you end up with a solution like Ermi. And it's, you know, there's probably some, some takeaways from that in just terms of, you know, don't, don't commit, th- don't commit if, to things. Like, that you... If, if, if you're not don't, running things 24 seven is a huge cost, even if it's just mm-hmm. a cost of, of awareness. I love your example is about not fixing code like Christmas Eve. No, no, I intentionally fix code Christmas Eve so I can avoid your parents. You know, you're, you're missing the point. This is, no, no, I'm not missing the point. It's just I really wish I could code so I could also avoid my parents. I, I can create some bugs for you. We'll just do it together, okay? I'll, I'll create some spelling mistakes in the gherkin. And, and I'll go through and You'll have to come up and fix up. them whilst yeah. I'm there. Um, so, yeah, by, by understanding that we want to build this business, we want to build this tool, but it's not feasible for me to commit to running a 24-7 service by myself because I don't know if I can talk day to day or mm. we both assumed that at some point I was going to get hit by a car. Like, it's going to happen at some point. I get hit by cars mm. way too often. Actually, I haven't been hit by a car for quite a, a long time. Which can't walk out on your own now. <laughs> oh, yeah, can't walk. <laughs> that would be why. Um, and also, whenever I do go outside, there's generally somewhere keeping me away from roads. So, autistic example, when a 
if you're on the pavement and the pavement curves to the left, your brain automatically follows the pavement. Mine doesn't. I'll just walk straight into the road unless I remember to follow the pavement. So people say, why did you run into the road? I'd be like, I didn't. I just walked and I found myself in a road. Um, so yeah, so people have people around me have to help keep me safe. And it's it's understanding that and saying that, yes, I'm not very good at keeping myself safe, but I'm pretty good at coming up with ways of building a piece of software that is very minimal. So we kind of build on that. It's, it's one of the reasons why Ermi still doesn't have an interface because it's more mm. code and more complexity than I can deal with in my in, in one brain half the time. Got it. Makes sense. You're giving me a funny look. No, I was just thinking we don't even really have a website yet. Oh yeah, that's a little bit embarrassing, isn't it? We, we not even a front page. Yeah, not even a, not even a landing page. We we've worked with many organisations to try and build one. One of which I taught agile development along the way, which was quite funny. I ended up supporting them to become, you know, I'd, I'd done some agile things, like taught them about sprints and stuff like that. Um, yep. I know the actual agile experts in the audience are cringing at me saying that. Oh yeah, agile stuff, sprints and shit. You know, everyone <laughs> knows what that is. I know they're probably crying, and for you, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it is what I did. As an ex-ADM, um, I do have a little <laughs> bit of that. Yeah, you have twinge. Um, but they didn't end up producing a website for us before the pandemic. And since the pandemic, we've just we've just not got to it. We make you know our marketing strategy is who can Wookiee go drinking with which works nicely well it, it has helped us till obviously up until covid um but to be fair sure. even then we picked up a couple of people yeah. along the way so you know yeah. because firms needed to readjust what they were doing and during covid actually financial crime increased quite heavily um yeah. so they, they had to introduce tools and uh, you know you want to do an introduction of a tool that requires very little development time to set up hey we're here. We're, we're very simple. Here's, here, you know, I send people a link to the uh, ERMI file format, uh, which you'll find by Googling ERMI file format, and it's written mm. as an RFP document with you know musts, shoulds, and whatnot, familiar to pretty much any dev that says what columns it has to have and what format they have to be. It's um, it's really boiling down something quite. It's really boiling down to the simplest solvable problem that delivers value to the user. That's not a user interface, it's a spreadsheet. It's not latitude and longitude, it's postcodes. Um, and then what is sustainable for me and Mike to develop while still having fun? Well, and that final part I just want to touch on as well. You sound like you spend a lot of time outside of side projects and work together. So what sort of stuff do you do? You've got the kit cars, is there anything else that you kind of mostly, spend time on? Mostly in hospital trying to stop him dying. That's, that's a recent <laughs> thing, that's a recent thing. I'm not making a habit of it. Um, the kit cars have certainly been harder since I've not been able to stand up properly. Um, sure. We do, ironically, I can't walk. And I'm, I li actually got delivery of my first wheelchair today. So, you know, quite a big major moment. But mm. in the first seven weeks of my injury, because I'm a lifelong cyclist, I worked out how to get onto a three-wheeled recumbent. And one of the things we, me, me and Mike did is we, we drove from Romford to York to go and collect it and test ride a bunch of things. Um, and we went for a, an adventure to do that. And I was riding the trike. And from riding the trike, I understood that I could sit, I could kind of stand up if it was the right position. So then I, you know, got a bunch of bike components and started building a bike that I could roll down a hill on. So Mike, kind of grindly, that kind of uh, kindly, after I'd built this bike, took me to the top of a big hill and gave me a shove so I could see if I could roll down. And I could. And then he followed me on the trike, making a video of it. So we then work together to engineer the bike so that the bike is the right shape, that it holds me in a position that is not necessarily comfortable, but is rideable. 
And mm. then we invested in an e-bike with a motor and everything else. So I can't walk more than about 20 meters, but I can spend the whole day riding a bike around like Olympic level bike trails, clearing some of the jumps even. And then I get to the end, pull out my walking stick and hobble to the car because we focused on what I could do. And walking mm. is the hardest because it's unsupported. There's no piece of technology that I can adapt. The only thing I've got is my body. But when I've got the bike, I can add a motor, I can move the handlebars, I can make it fit the shape that I need it to be. And Mike was kind of instrumental in that and my recovery from my illness or injury. Um, I think what's interesting is whilst I can't code and I'm not in any way a qualified engineer, um, I do like a problem. And I do, you know, building a car is obviously, you know, physical building a thing, but there's obviously lots of problems and stuff you've got to try and work around. And even inside of our friends group, you know, mm. people will come to us with a random problem of I need to build some handlebars for a motorbike. And actually engineering and working things out is is kind of what we spend a lot of time doing together, even outside of, yeah. of building software. Um, mm. And, you know, you're a dangerous man with a welder. That's, that's I think most people are dangerous it. with a welder. It's, yeah. That's true. So, I've got a plasma car too. They're even more fun. The, the plasma, they are the single most efficient way of turning good stock into scrap. They really are. Or fingers into not fingers. Not fingers anymore. Think fingers into an expensive medical bill if you're mm. in the US or a very upset nurse. Um, so we make things. We, you know, when I, I ha- when I first had my injury and I couldn't sit up in a sit up in a chair, Wookie went, "Hmm, I have an idea." And you know, a couple of hours later, a chair emerged in my flat, which was one of the chairs from the kit car with a full harness on it that had been uh, bodged. bodged. Bodged, bodged, very much bodged, bodged onto, a, onto an office chair base <laughs> so that I could sit at my desk without falling sideways. And we didn't understand why I couldn't sit up anymore. We couldn't understand why the strengths had gone, but we could sort out, weld up a chair um, and then go and see the, you know, the neurologist to go, hey, uh, this is bad, right? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been a wild six months on top of a wild 10 years, yeah. but it's pretty good. I think both of us might actually at some point have to admit it's nearly 20. Is it nearly, it's 20? nearly 20? Oh, oh wow. God, that's, that's alarming. I've got less for murder. You've tried a few times. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very you to know it's a statutory 25 years. I'm technically <laughs> a lawyer. That is, that is the thing. He is technically a lawyer. Um, wow. So it's quite useful when we're doing you know, various disability things. I need to argue with the council that we have somebody who can read the legislation and say, hey, actually, this is what Jamie's rights are in this situation. So kind of you do lawyering, I do coding, we meet somewhere in the middle. That's pretty good summary. That's a very nice summary. And actually it comes to a nice conclusion, I guess, for the episode. Well, keep an eye on time. Um, just finally, I just want to ask you both, do you have any tips for anyone who'd like to collaborate on a side project? Because I know that's quite a difficult one to get right. I can think of three. Go on, you start. Um, do it with someone that you are good at arguing with. So Ooh, nice. me and Wookie, I disagree. We'll take we'll talk about that later offline. Um, let's talk about that offline later, <laughs> or park it in the car park. Um, me and Wookie understand when we're able and we're not able to resolve conflict. So we will sometimes have an argument and we'll go, actually, do you know what? I'm tired. You're tired. Let's chat about this tomorrow, and then have confidence and trust that we'll find a resolution. So that would be my first one. The second one would be if you're a developer, don't be too ambitious. Like you need to support what you build. And whilst there are a lot of things that are that make support a lot easier than it used to be, there is actually a cost to having things running in production that people that real people are using to do real things. So 
that are critical to their lives and businesses. And if you can't commit to supporting it properly, don't build it, like build the simpler thing. And then sometimes by building the simpler thing, you'll actually find a better solution anyway. Uh, and then I think the third one is um, avoid proprietary stuff. So oh, one of the reasons why this business has been able to grow is that we don't know we don't owe anybody any money for licenses. As the business has grown, we've avoided anything that tightly ties the cost of running our business to the number of transactions our clients do. So that when we scale, we're not hitting some magic pay barrier where we owe one of our, you know, somebody that we license some data from a million pounds. Everything is done so that it scales at most linear, if not better than linear. Because when, what happened to us a couple of times, when you come in one day to go, hey, yeah, that client wants to run daily now and here's three more, and you suddenly do a lot more volume than you ever really expected to, you, the only bill you want to pay is the extra computation cost, not to be having to renegotiate licenses and stuff like that. So there would be my three things. Ironically, ironically, given how well we get on and how well we work together, um, my advice would actually be don't don't work with your friends um, oh. primarily because if it fails and you become bankrupt, your friends are also bankrupt. You no longer got people to borrow money off of. Oh, um, so fine. try try and avoid that. But also, it's just be careful about if you do collaborate with with people, make sure that you kind of set the boundaries and set who is in charge of what. Ours is a collaborative effort through luck and uh, go karting. But in in many cases, people don't understand um who's responsible for what and they think the other person has done something or has failed to do something and that's when the arguments especially the failed to do something the arguments start to build up and you fall out with each other and then you end up losing a business and a friendship which so is to, to give a concrete example to that throughout the last two years in the pandemic i've had far less ability to code than i had before it. i lost my coding environment and you know my health has been on the decline we built that into the organization. At no point has Wookiee turned around and gone, hey, you were doing 12 hours a week, so therefore you need to do 12 now. Wookiee has gone, look, we understand the situation. We've built the business around this. What, what is it sustainable for us to do? And that is, a, that is a very valuable thing in a collaboration, which is to not assume that nothing will change. Well, I mean, also my drinking with clients has reduced, so my commitment to this has dropped off as well. Oh. It's kind of an equal drop. So, yeah, so kind of understanding each other's communication style and humor and it's not that we don't take things seriously when you know when when we have to we take things seriously but when we know we don't have to we make sure it's fun it's good thanks for uh, all the insights that you do i'm afraid we're running out of time now so just to wrap it up how can people get hold of you to find out more about ermy and all the other little things you've touched on only email him don't email me please please don't email me only email mike hey mike how can i get hold of you <laughs> um i'll be honest actually twitter's probably um so i'm at mr wookie nice. um and that's that's probably the best place as we said we don't actually really have a website no. it's um, on my to-do list it's on your to-do it's been on your to-do list need for it. four years it's fine don't need it haven't needed it um but yeah you know via, via there or um or linkedin where i am cool. um apparently michael southgate uh, if you Google Jamie and Lion, you'll find you all are the so stuff much more do. marketable than me. <laughs> yes, but you're better at answering emails. So, <laughs> yeah, Google Jamie and Lion. Um, you'll find podcast stuff, web stuff. You know, digital accessibility is what I do day to day, yeah. um, and neurodiversity, autism stuff. 
and videos I regret making, which are always the best ones. Excellent. To all of your videos. <laughs> Thanks ever so much, guys. Appreciate your time. Um, and we'll put all those details in the show notes as well. So until next time, maybe another time we'll do this. We'd love to. That'll be wonderful. Yeah, definitely. Cheers. Might actually stick on topic. Next topic, please. See ya. Thanks, man. Huge thanks to Jamie, Lion and Wookie for joining us on the Make Life Work podcast this week. Plenty insights to the way these two work and hopefully some useful tips and tricks on how you could possibly collaborate on your next side project. As mentioned, you can reach out to them both on Twitter, Jamie Knight and Mr. Wookie, and you can ask them anything you want about Ermi, autism or anything else we covered. As for the podcast, we obviously love to hear your thoughts. Get in touch on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook as at MakeLifeWorkPod. You can email hello at makelifeworkpodcast.com or even visit the website makelifeworkpodcast.com for all the show notes and archives. And please remember to rate and review us in your favourite podcast app. I'll be back next time with someone else from Tech Scene talking about their recent side projects on the Make Life Work podcast.